Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to the third week in our series, I Want to Be Like Jesus. Over the course of this series, we've been examining some of the practices that Jesus did that we can put into our lives that can help us act like him, have the characteristics of him, to fulfill what the New Testament calls followers of Christ to. That is things like the fruit of the Spirit, loving God, loving others, making disciples, all these profound statements that we find throughout the New Testament that God has placed on us that seem almost impossible, much like becoming like Michael Jordan just by drinking Gatorade, right? Like, impossible! How do you just become a Christian, get filled with the Spirit, and just go out and absolutely be changed? That's what the Bible calls us to. And so often we can beat ourselves up because I don't know about you, but I look at my life and I still struggle with things. I still struggle with getting angry, with being sad, with being overwhelmed, with running like crazy and never having enough time in my hands. Life is difficult. And then we read scripture and we're like, the Bible says that we're supposed to be this and I'm not. It says that if we're filled with the spirit, we put to death the things of our past. And we become new. And it's like, well, that doesn't seem to be my life. What gives? I've given my life to Jesus. What, what did I do wrong? And the reality is, is, well, our lifestyle isn't changed. We're still trying to do all the things we once did, the lifestyle that we once did. And we're not seeing the change because how we live our life doesn't look like Jesus. And so over the course of this series, we've been looking at what was it that Jesus did on his daily life that we can put into practice in our lives. Now, we've talked about Sabbath, taking a day off like we were commanded to way back in Exodus. Jesus practiced Sabbath. We need to spend time in God's word, allowing his word to speak to us. Jesus did that multiple times. And then today, we're going to take a look at meditation. What does it mean to meditate? Now, of course, we can talk about prayer, and prayer is kind of synonymous with, with meditation. But meditation has more than just telling God what's on our mind. It's allowing our mind to process what God is speaking to us. Meditation has so many interesting connotations with it. And I hope that throughout this message today, we can kind of clear the air and help you to see what meditation is and how it can transform your life. But the reality is our world is everything but slowing down and taking time to process, right? It's spinning out of control. I struggle with this so much in my own life because I am, I'm the poster boy for like needing to get things done and always trying to force more into my life. I have a hard time slowing down. This is something that I need to be extremely intentional at because I can get to the end of the day and look back and say, wow, where, where did I have time to even process all this? I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. And it's because I never took time to think like, what just happened to me? Meditation allows us to do that. It allows us to say, okay, 
Let's take all the stuff that we did today, all the information that was just pouring in through our phones and radio and news and work and school. Let's just, let's think. Let's sort out all that information. Our brains need that, don't they? So meditation does that. But yet, we love fast food. We love fast cars. We love fast money. We love instant gratification. We love all of those things that give us notifications so that, that we can keep up in all of the crazy things that we have around us. It, it keeps us up to speed. It's countercultural. Slow down. So the question I want to ask today is, how do we experience slow moments in a culture that demands us to speed up, to hustle, to get things done, to get ahead. How do we slow down? Because here's the thing. The spiritual practice of meditation, it helps us to connect to God, to connect to others, to connect to ourselves. So how do we do that? Well, today, we're going to go through a, a few passages in scriptures that we can look at and, and examine what this means. The first that we want to read from today is, is Psalm 46. And I'll be reading from the CSB version, but there's a, is a powerful statement at the end of it that I want to examine really deep at the end. So let's begin with verse 1. And we read, God is our refuge and strength a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles, the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its waters roars and foams, and the mountains quake with its turmoil, there is a river, its streams delight in the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, rage kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come and see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting and know that I'm God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. So this psalm is what was called the Song of of Zion. It's one of many. And it was written for worship in times of good, in times of bad. When the army was winning, when the army was being defeated, it was used to sing. And each stanza is a reminder of God's ultimate source of safety and strength. It, it helped them in times of trouble when, when things looked like it was about to be done and God was, was nowhere to be found. It was a reminder that ultimately God wins, that God sees them in their depletion, in their defeat. Even though it seemed like maybe the, the enemy was going to take them off and, and just totally annihilate the land, God ultimately would win. He had the ability stop it all at any moment, even in what appeared to be devastation. 
but in the good times. It was a reminder that, man, we won the battle, but it was because of God that we won this battle. He was the one responsible, not us. We did the work, but he was behind it all and got us through to victory. And so we read this beautiful display of God in the middle of it. And at the end, in the CSB, we read, stop your fighting and know that I'm God. Stop your fighting and know that I'm God. In the NFV, we read, be still and know that I'm God. The Lord Almighty is with us. Now, this verse isn't telling us to take a nap or to lay down and be lazy, right? Quite contrary, it's a challenge to, in the midst of the chaos, to take time and quietly connect to God. When you look around, right? Now think about this. This was, this was a song that they were to sing in the battle. Whether they were winning or losing, it was called a song of Zion. A song that God ultimately is the victor no matter what. So this rage of, of fighting is going on around them, and they were called to be still, to stop fighting, and to connect to God. Maybe you feel like you're in the middle of a war zone right now, like everything around you just chaos. Work is unbearable. School is just full of, of emotions. People angry, people teasing, people bullying, people just falling apart in depression and anxiety, threatened to maybe hurt you or somebody you know. And God calls out, stop fighting. Stop taking all of this pressure upon you. My yoke is easy. Come to me and I will help you. Be still. Stop fighting. You know me. I will help you. So the problem is pretty obvious. We live in a world spinning out of control craziness. The solution, though it's not easy and extremely difficult, it's basic, right? This call in this passage seems so obvious. It, it screams at us, slow down. I'm here. I want to fight for you. Slow down. Which isn't reserved for some religious elite or a monk or some Eastern culture guru where they sit on the mountainside and just chill, right? No, you can, you can spend time with God wherever you are, in the midst of the chaos like the Israelites, in your bed, at your, at your car, as you're driving to work, in the middle of class. Just make sure that you listen when the teacher's giving directions so you don't get confused of what's next. But seriously, like, you can do this anywhere. So for the short remainder of our time that we have left today, I want to give you three thoughts on implementing meditation. Three thoughts on implementing meditation. The first is that meditation empowers. We see this extremely well in God's word, how it even trans 
transformed Jesus, how it empowered him. Time with God will empower you. When we think about all these things that we have in the New Testament, like I said at the beginning, these calls to disciple the nations, to go and make disciples of all nations, to love God, to love others, to love where we live, to do the 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 fruits of the spirit to have love to have joy to have peace and patience and kindness when we think of all these things and we're like i can't do it jesus struggled as well he struggled doing what god called him to i want to take you to luke chapter 22 and this is at the end of jesus's ministry last week we looked at the beginning of jesus ministry when he's going into the wilderness to spend time with god to spend time with him in his, his personal devotion time, his meditation time. And now we end it with him in the garden with God again, meditating. And so Luke chapter 22, and we read of his call to lay down his life to be a sacrifice, to be put on the cross after being beaten and, and just spit upon, just absolutely mutilated, to be left by his closest friends that he poured his life into. And he goes to God in the garden with a couple of his friends. So Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. he went out and made his way, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. Now, number one, this wasn't his first time, as usual. This was a place where he went to connect with God, to meditate, to spend time with. And the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. And in his time, listen to what he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. And he got up from prayer and came to the disciples. He found them sleeping, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. Jesus went into the garden. He was desiring for God to have a different way. God, if you would only allow a different way. Anyway, and he starts praying, and he was in such anguish that his sweat became like blood pouring down his face because he was in so much anguish. He wanted a different way. Yet, as he was there with God, he was empowered, and he came out, and he fulfilled everything that God asked of him. It's that way in our life, too. We look at the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, the fruit of the Spirit, and that we are to live these new lives and we're to sacrifice our lives. We're to live, live our lives as, as sacrifices unto God. And we go into the garden with God, our time with Him through prayer and meditation, just processing His, His love, His Word. And we allow Him to speak to us. And He calls out and He says, I will empower you. And you come out of that time meditating on his word, meditating on what he has promised you. And you're empowered. Meditation will empower you. 
they give you the strength you need. They give you the peace you need. They give you the words you need to get through this life that God has called us for. Number two, not only does meditation empower you, it'll transform your perspective. Meditation transforms perspectives. Think about that. It's exhausting, right, to constantly think about what's happened in the past and what will happen in the future. See, meditation allows you to plug into the present moment with God. I live so much of my life thinking about what will happen and what has happened already. And it's like, well, how are things going to change? Like this continues to happen, continues to happen over and over in the past. And then I think, how is that going to change in the future? And so I'm always constantly going between each of them. But as Psalm 16 states, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. There's a reason why it's called God's presence, right? It's a gift that we can live in now. It's something that's unfolding right now. We can stay in his presence. We don't need to live in the future. We don't need to live in the past. Do we learn from the past? Yes. Do we prepare for the future? Absolutely. But we don't have to sit there and constantly go between both ends. We can stay right right where he is. Richard Foster put it this way. He said, what happens in meditation is that we create an emotional and spiritual space which allows Christ to construct an inner sanctuary in our hearts. He lives in it. And in our midst, right now. Inward fellowship of this kind transforms the inner personality. It can transform your perspective. It, it creates a place where you don't have to worry. You don't have to dwell on the past. You don't have to worry about the future. You can stay in the moment. And find freedom with God now. That peace in the middle of chaos, right? Just like the Israelites in the middle of a battle, they could have peace because they stopped fighting. They knew God and allowed him to win the battle. So God's your time with God, meditation will both empower you, it will transform you, and lastly, it will fill you. Meditation will fill you. the Holy Spirit. In the end, that's what it all points to, right? It, it, it gives you the ability to empty yourself and to fill yourself. So much, we, we, we think of meditation, right, of this, this Eastern thing, right? I, I think of immediately the Lion King monkey, Rafiki, right? Like, super cool name and funny guy. But we think of that kind of picture of a guy, you know, with his fingers and, and closing his eyes in that pose, saying, um. <laughs> That's what we think of. And so much of the Eastern thought of meditation is an emptying of the mind to find that, that tranquility, 
that, that equilibrium, that one with nature, whatever it is you've, you've been told, that's what we think it is. And yes, it's true, but it falls short of what meditation truly is. It's an emptying of where you are with all the craziness around you, with all the information pouring in, with all the demands that are on you, with the, the kids constantly needing and doing and going. It puts a pause all of it and it empties you of that that stress but we don't want to stay empty right like like we think of of the the story in the gospel accounts where jesus tells of when when you cast out a demon we don't leave that person empty because the enemy will come back with more power to fill that place no we need to fill it with something because our souls, our spirit is inclined to be filled. We have a spirit that needs the truth of God's word. So we empty ourselves from all the stress and we put into our souls God himself. His word, prayer, focus on what he says. Richard Foster said it this way in regards to this. He said, the detachment from the confusion all around us is in order to have a richer attachment to God. We remove ourselves from all the clutter and put in God's truth. Psalm 119.97 put it this way. It says, how I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. So meditation Meditation empowers you. Meditation transforms your perspective. It helps you to realign with God and what he desires for you. And it fills you. It fills you with God himself. It removes all the garbage and it in place puts God, his word, the Holy Spirit inside. And so as we wrap up our time together, I want to leave you with one practical application point today. That's it. All of this stuff is great. We, we, we don't have to beat this thought into anybody because it is so clear that our culture, the number one reason why we have anxiety, the number one reason we have depression, the number one reason we have this this fight or flight in our culture right now and the polarization that we've never seen before, whether it's politics or any kind of social issue that's out there right now, we are just on high, high fight or flight that we've never seen in at least my lifetime. The reason for that is, is because we have so much coming at us and we have not taken the time to process to just spend time with God and say, what is it that is true? To empty ourselves of all of that information coming. If you want to believe something today, I don't care how crazy it sounds, you can have enough information coming at you to help you believe anything. So what does God say? What does his word say? Remove all of that other information, all that clutter, and get back to what God says. So my application for you today is to take 5 to 15 minutes every day, every day, 
maybe before you get out of bed, before you check your phone, whatever it is, take time to remove yourself from all the information and say to God, what do you have to speak to me today? What is it? Open up your Bible. Take one of your favorite passages. Start just dwelling on it and say, God, what, what is it that you have for me? If you don't have a favorite passage and you're like, I, I don't know, I, this is all new to me. I'm a God's word praying that's all foreign. If you're new at this, just open up the book of John. Open it up. It's, it's towards the back of your Bible. Or get an app on your phone and just plug in Bible app and you'll find the best Bible app that you'll ever need. There's tons of them. Pick a U version one. And just plug in Book of John. And just let God's word speak to you. Say, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? Speak to me. I have so much stuff coming in. I have so many thoughts. I'm overwhelmed. I need you. And just meditate. Process all the stuff that's going on around you. Whether it's kids, whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's family. Say, God, here's where I'm at with this person. Here's where I'm at with my finances. Here's where I'm at with with what I'm struggling with internally. Here's where I'm at. Speak to me. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. And he wants the best for his children. He will transform you. Just take time and allow him to have that space in your life to speak to you. Father, I pray for every person listening today. God, that you would breathe into them the fact that, God, they are made in your image, that you love them and you have a desire for them. I pray that they would stop right now from all the craziness around them and that they would just spend time with you. Whether that's five minutes a day, maybe it's 50 minutes a day, maybe it's a good chunk of the day. Father, we are called by you to be in relationship. And the only way we can make a relationship as healthy is when we spend time with that person in the same time. And I pray they would make that time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today in this message. I look forward to next time when we dig into another practice of Jesus as we continue to examine how, how do we be like this Jesus that was so perfect. I'll see you then.